Hello everyone and welcome to the last episode of the Kent Non-League podcast of the 2018-19 season. I assume Matt Gerrard has his kaplunk with him all ready to go. Um, the show as always is brought to you with association uh, with Workforce Dimensions Limited. Um, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is the kaplunk player himself, Mr Matt Gerrard. How are you Matt? Not bad. So we've done 84, so 84 episodes, have we? Yep. So is it 42 in both seasons, you think? Yeah. We did do the trophy final, didn't we? We're not we last week, so... We must have missed a week last year then, well, somewhere I can, down the line. I can tell you exactly what week we missed last year. We missed this week because um, I was on holiday. Ah, you were. So we, we sort of wrapped everything up with the trophy final last year. So uh, the re- we missed a week because I, uh, I was in Lindos. Um, right. And do you know what? My time hop this week has been very depressing because uh, this time last year I was in Lindos. This time three years ago I was in Zante. This time five years ago I was in Zante. And this time six years ago I was in Las Vegas. Right, and you're in well, the the Las Vegas of the South Coast in Eastbourne, so you can probably look at the back of that in your time up in a year's time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I, I love my life. I love I love living by the sea. But you know, when you see your pictures of your all inclusive cocktails, and you just think, ah, bit of a blow. I've never been to Las Vegas. How long did you go for? But we went. We did five nights in Las Vegas. Then we flew back to New York and did five nights in New York, and then uh, came home. So we were away for ten days in total. I've been to New York. Would you, at the two, Las Vegas and New York, which one would you go back to? New York. Right. On the grounds that we didn't see as much as we wanted to in New York because we were absolutely knackered by the end of it. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, it was just so, t- Vegas was so tiring because we were only there five days. We wanted to see as much as we could. And by the last night, I can still remember I could barely walk. I was so knackered. I'd just done so much walking. And when you got to New York, it was like, all right, okay, I just want to sleep a little bit. And, and, uh, I think we will, we will probably go back to both at, at some point, but I'd say I, I feel like I've got more unfinished business in New York than I have in Las Vegas, if that makes sense. Yeah. When I went to New York, all I would say, everybody said, oh, go to New York. And I, I, you know, I'm pretty boring. I always say to them, always get a, pe- a pair of comfy shoes because because the system over there, every two seconds you're um, um, stopping. So we sort of there. And by the end of it, my knee was knackered and I... I we went down to Florida after that. But honestly, my knee for about a bit like my injury from the, my running injury, which is now gone. It was like that, but I was in absolute agony with my knee. And I, when we went to Bloomingdale's, my wife wanted to go all the time. Oh, brilliant! This and I just sat in the cafe and she blagged me for the rest of the day. She wanted to go around. I couldn't actually walk around Bloomingdale, so I will need to go around from there. But I'd like to go to Vegas as well. But um, people say it's in small doses for Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I loved it, and, and I, th- I think the kind of thing that where we let ourselves down was there were so many nice places to go and eat and drink, but we never really had the chance to do that because you just we'd get up early and just walk loads and and do as much as we could. We did a day at the Grand Canyon, so that wiped out a day, and you just like you, by the time it comes to sort of a respectable meal time, we're just like, oh, I'll just grab something. So we kind of missed out there, and, and you know, we made the mistake of going to buffets and stuff, which is never a good idea because you just overeat and you don't feel like you don't really enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, did you did you put all, everything on Red Twenty Seven? No, I didn't. Did you go gambling? A little bit, yeah. Uh, was it was it like it is in the movies with the blacked out windows and the, the elderly ladies playing the fruit machines with the massive cups? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, pretty much, pretty much as advertised. But obviously, that's six years ago. Um, now in the present day, um, I know everybody who listens to the Kent Only podcast has been pondering about last weekend's netball tournament. I have to say, I absolutely loved it. Turned in the end, 
uh, my friend, basically we got there and they're year five and they're playing against year six. The school had three teams. So basically they're in the third team. So the teachers, nice great blokes, not really interested in these because they've got better players. So we turned up. So, and the problem was, I didn't realise till after the third game, we apparently there's seven, team, seven people in the netball team. We only had six. So after the first three games, the second game we lost 9-0. By the way, it's like two minutes this game, three minutes or something like that, this game. So we thought, all right. Then we worked out that we only had, we were one player short. So me and this other lady began coaching the team. And I was like, brilliant. I got, no, I'm well into netball. Netball is, when the netball World Cup's on, I'm watching it because I was well into this. All I kept saying, and they kept laughing because he's get it in the box. It was not a box. It's like a semicircle. But the aim was, we had a rock at the back, a good defender, get it in the middle, just get it to the other end. And I kept shouting, get it in the box, because then where the players would be. Long story here. After the, it's basically eight games you play against, then they have another tournament. So we have the winners, who've done really well, the medium lot, and the plate tournament. So basically the the ones who've come last. After eight games, we drew on two, nil-nil, good stuff, and lost six, and we scored none. So you could see we had issues. Fiddle with the team. We kept playing around there. Then we so we moved into the next round, which was against the lesser teams who'd come bottom of their group. So arguably you might have a chance of winning, you'd think. Next five games, lost every single one, scoring none. Tactical changes, right. Put Megan back up front because she went back to defence from that or move them around because we were struggling here. So, have you, have you watched that, Paul? Loved it. It's brilliant. But I was getting so excited about being the coach. I, I, all I kept thinking was, if I had a boy and I had these football team, I'd be one of these dads who gets abused, you know, the yeah. FA. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's what kept going through my head. But you had to put a decorum with the Well, it wasn't even though it was a mixed tournament. And we only had girls as well in our team. Everybody else had a boy in the team, which made a difference because they were a bit stronger. Next game go, went on. Got a chance. 30 seconds to go. Megan back up front. Shot took was nil-nil and she put it in. So we won a game. Honestly, I celebrated like any F here had scored the winner at Wembley to get Dover promoted. I was on the pitch the lot. And the funniest thing was, I had the little piece of paper where we knew we were going. After every game, every player gets a man of the match award. So I did the thing, you can get a player of your team in a tournament. And as I jumped up, all these pieces of paper went in the air and the lady who I was working with it said it was like ticker tape celebrations when we won the game. So I absolutely love So I'm well into netball now. It was absolutely brilliant. The next two games we lost, but we scored in both games. So I think, and to make this into consideration, the team that scored the most goals in this tournament played 16 games. They scored 71 goals. We played 16 games and scored three. But it was absolutely brilliant. And the team got the best sportsman team because... They kept on trying with six players and they got a trophy. And you know what? They celebrated better than the team that won it because we were so chuffed. So it was one of my proud dad moments. And I'll never forget when my daughter put the goal in that we won a game. I did bribe the team as well because I said, if you do score, I'll buy you all an ice cream. And that really perked them up a little bit. And I did buy them an ice cream. But it was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I put a netball coach on my CV all you need to do is get it in the box and, it, and you're in. I've got so much I can say about this, so uh, I'm going to go through it 
in in various orders things come to me. So first of all, I did say to you last week we'll find out if Megan is indeed the Ineffiong of her netball team, and it sounds like um, she was a lot of the time she failed to hit the target, but when she did, you were very excited about it, which is pretty it, much a fair about. It, 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 they scored the three goals. She got all three. Ah, oh, well, there you go. But I did say before the tournament started, I said I didn't know how good they were. I soon realised when they lost 9-0, <laughs> it was going to be a long afternoon for them, or long day for them. I said, beforehand, I said I'd give you 5p a goal. But really, I thought that was a bit cheap, really, wasn't it? So I, I gave them 15p. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know how many goals I was expecting to score, but honestly, I, I came home buzzed after the tournament. God knows, if he won something, I don't know what it would be like, but sometimes it's better to see, because they improved all the way through and when we scored, you know, you had six kids going absolutely happy because it just achieved something. So I think it's better than when you beat everybody 9-0, that was. Um, so my second point is um, you were just ordering them to get it in the box. So your Chris Kinnear uh, strategies are never far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my third point is obviously we're not doing a, a football podcast for the next three months. I'm not doing a netball one. If you want to do that, you're on your own. It's, uh, uh, brilliant so well organised and apparently I was speaking to these people there it's still quite it's a bit you know um, a bit like five aside there's a big netball in Thanet a big netball community so it was brilliant and on the radio show mate for the, the netball world cup we need to get somebody on and I can you, you can just sit there and we can eulogise about how good netball was but it's brilliant um, go team England in the world cup now Tracy Neville is my coaching hero oh Harry Excellent. Well, that's pretty much filled up the uh, the last drivel section of the Kent Online podcast for this season. Um, we've just talked about netball for the best part of 10 minutes. That's right. I, 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 honestly, mate, I'm quite an excitable person anyway. But I, 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 I wish somebody, me and this lady, sort of was leaning on her shoulder when she put the ball in. And we, yeah, celebrations, you see, of kids' sport. I've got swimming gala this weekend again as well. So, um, that won't be exciting, but if she wins, I won't be jumping in the pool. But uh, yeah, I'll probably get excited again. But yeah, it was, it was it was a great day to spend Saturday. Probably one of the best Saturdays I've spent this year. And depending most of the time I've been at football, that probably shows what I enjoyed the most. Well, exactly. So it's our 84th episode this week. Um, obviously, 1984 is a famous book. Uh, never read it myself, but apparently it's quite interesting. Um, and also, it's how many years... Uh, how many Earth years it takes Uranus to orbit the Sun once. So. Um, Oh wow, that's pretty much a uh, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah, I've I've, I've yeah, missed that one really. somewhere on the line. Animal Farm, he wrote that as well. I've read that one. I've read that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, obviously, my my school uh, teachers obviously let themselves down when it came to us actually reading stuff that was interesting instead of preferring to throw us boring stuff. Anyway, we'll talk about the football now, and there's only one place we can start this week, uh, and that is Tunbridge Angels, who won the Bossett League playoffs. And then they went into the Super Playoff. And on Saturday, they twice came from behind before beating Met Police 3-2 after extra time to return to the National League South. An absolutely fantastic achievement for Tunbridge Angels. Absolutely delighted for everybody associated with the club to have pulled off such a fantastic win. Um, and earlier on, literally just before I phoned Matt, I caught up with goal scorer Deshaun Theobalds, who told us all about that day at Invercourt. Um, yeah, yeah, still on cloud nine, you know. Um, I think massive achievement from everyone to do with the club, you know. Um, and obviously to come back twice from a losing position, I think right now everyone's just still living in the moment. 
I was going to say that shows the spirit that there is in that camp to, to come from behind tw- twice in that manner and then to keep on going into extra time and finally get the win. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, I can't, I can't can only keep saying like the boys are amazing the, like all the boys the management like we all just believe that we've got a good be- belief system in um the changing room and we knew we could score if we just keep going we keep going and we always felt if we can we, we always felt we can get goals so when it was two to an extra time i think we all felt like we got enough to win here and you know that's us really we just keep fighting and that's one thing we've done through a majority of the season. I suppose that I spoke to you Gaffer a few weeks ago and, and he was talking about the, the fact you had to go through more games and he said, well, next season's too late for us. But it wasn't, was it? It was it was just the perfect time. And I suppose, although it's, it's a silly situation, you shouldn't have had to play a Super Playoff in the first place, it must have made it all the sweeter. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, like you said, it's, it's crazy because it's a thing that's going to happen once and not again. So, you know, at the same time you look at it, but then... You know, we look at it as we're part of something here. Like the only Super Playoff final when we won. You know, we had to go that extra mile where teams had haven't had to do. We had to have that extra game where we should have been promoted. So, like you said, it does feel it feels a lot better that you know we came out on the end of it, which I do feel from it, please, because you know to win your playoff and not to get promoted is is a hard thing to take. But for us personally, you know, it's a great achievement. Obviously, you were among the scorers on Saturday. Talk us through your goal. Um, I've seen it now, but from what I could remember, like I just, I, I spoke to the ref. You know, there was like five minutes left. It was two one. So, you know, I um, chins laid it off, and I just got it. And I thought, you know, I'm going to start driving. I looked kind of to the left and right. There wasn't too many people next to me, and I didn't want to slow down the, the game because I knew that it's the dying minute. So I just thought, all right, I'm going to drive and just try to see if the defenders will commit. And, you know, I just thought, all right, if I can go into my right foot and get the shot off. So I just kept running and just trying to go past all the defenders that was in my way until I saw the goal. And I thought if I get the early shot off and kind of just... Maybe the keeper won't be ready and the defenders won't be ready, so get the early shot off and it worked. Obviously, we saw the, the, the celebrations with the fans on the pitch and everything, and there were, what, two and a half thousand people virtually at the, at the uh, Boston League playoff final. Yeah. The Thomas Angels fans are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. They're amazing. They supported us. They, they turn up every game. They sing, you know, and, and it makes it so much better, especially like going down, but you can still hear your fans singing. It's like, it gives you that, it's like, like they say, it's like the extra man on the pitch. And it was like, it's just all the faith they have in us. It was nice to for them to have something to celebrate, you know. So, like, I can't give enough thanks for the fans because they've been great to us. And obviously it's been a great season for the team, but individually as well, you've had a pretty good campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I joined um, just after Christmas, you know. I and I've just been happy, you know, I've just been playing with confidence that's what the manager gives me and the boys you know they embraced me well and all that we set out is for this promotion so it's just it's it's good to see all the hard work and, and the dedication um through the season and actually come out at the end of it um promoted and how exciting is it to be able to look forward to national league south football oh definitely you know so like like um everyone's saying different challenge you know something different but you know you step up so it's it's 
as a footballer, you always just want to keep progressing and trying to do better. So, um, me and all the boys were just excited to, to you know, get get our head down and and work, you know, new league and just see what we can do. And obviously, it's great for a club. Time and Angels have been out of that league for for what five or six years, but it's, it's kind of yeah. where Angels belong, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. If you like, if people come down and see the stadium and 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 things like that. And just the infrastructure of the club, like it, you can, it is where they belong. And that's one of the reasons I come in because of how the club was run and how well it is and the fan base and everything. So it's definitely, it's definitely um, a National League South club. And yeah, just happy that they're back where, like you said, they belong. And just finally, a word for the gaffer. He's he's done a great job, hasn't he? And, And credit to the board for keeping faith in him for so long. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the gaffer, like, you know, people get one perception of him, but like he's just, you know, he wears heart on his sleeve. He'll give a hundred percent in anything for us, whatever he believes in, you know. And 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 like people know, like um, he was close to walking away, but it just shows the faith everyone has in him. How how good we know he is, you know, and and sticking by him because he'll stick by us for everything, and oh. and we know that so. We're just let's just thankful to him really because he's stuck through and like everyone says you got you just gotta have a faith in him and that's what everyone does. You can't help but be delighted for them, Matt, can you? Uh always in the back of the mind when it was Super Player, which is a ridiculous name, isn't it, by the way. They've done all the hard work, won the 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 title. Technically any other year they'd be promoted, two one down, you know, how would it affect them next year when they had the the balls to go through that great goal by the Sean as well. What a finish that is! Drilled under the goalkeeper, and then speaking to everybody, you know, the people there that they were confident to go on and win it, and, and they did it. And fantastic achievement. I think Steve McKim. Well, well, I'm going to nominate him as the Workforce Dimensions Kent Non-League Podcast Manager of the Year because he's done a, an unbelievable job. Great start to the season, bit of a wobble, and when he needed it, his players come out and absolutely fantastic achievement makes Conference South even more exciting next year. And I'm. Delighted for Tunbridge Angels because it's a really good club. Yeah, I mean, it's, as Deshaun said there, you know, they should have already been promoted. And very gracious of him to say that, you know, he felt really sorry for Met Police who'd done everything they could and, and, and then lost in the, in the Super Player final. But to go there and win three three games in, in just over a week, two of them away from home, what character, what spirit and, and what a team. Yeah, I think it, I think it was. We've always said all through the way the season, their away form was good, wasn't it? They were better away from home. Steve McKim, you know, he admitted. To, you know, we heard rumours he was going and he was going to be replaced by somebody we know pretty well in December. But um, he's come through the other side and he's got them promoted. Before the start of the season, would I have predicted somebody used to get promoted? Probably not. Probably would have said maybe Margate or Folkestone. So. Yeah, an unbelievable achievement. Now the hard work starts because we do know there's a bit of a gap between the Devon Bostick Prem and Conference South. But Steve McKim, he's earned his right. He's been there five years. Stable club. You think about the managers that Tom Jane have had in the last two. You know, Steve McKim, Tommy Warrell, they stay there a long time, which probably shows how well run the club they are. Now they're in the level that they um, should be, I think. It's going to be tough to stay up. But Steve McKim will work there and fantastic achievement for him. Yeah, absolutely delightful. I remember speaking to him just after he was uh, given his new contract last year and uh, I can even tell you where I was. I was in Tesco Car Park in Grove Green in Maidstone when I phoned him uh, that day to discuss his new contract. And he said, you know, hopefully next year we can push on. And that's what they did. And, and it's, it's it's fantastic. And, and, you know, fair play to Simon Jane was because 
I do think they belong in the National League South, but they've had a bit of stability in the boardroom. But all through that, the constant has been Steve McKim. And you've seen this year, he's not stopped. You know, he's not sort of sat on his laurels when things have been going well. He's brought in Deshaun. He's brought in Tom Derry. He's brought in other players that have just strengthened that squad. And in, in some ways, you look at that team and think... Are they the best? On paper, is that the best 11 players in, in the Bostic League playoffs? I don't think it necessarily was, but the spirit they've got and the way Steve McKim's got them playing, is it's, it's absolutely fantastic, isn't it? I don't know. I remember the start of the season when you, I think Alex Reid joined in and you, you rate Alex Reid and he's had a bit of a stop-start season, but you, when you signed him, you said they were looking to go up because he's, he's a proven goal scorer. So, um, yeah, he's got a bit of criticism on still some of the fans aren't particularly pleased, but they are promoted into Conference South, and Conference South is going to be a Kent League next season. And it, it, it's, you know, the difference of playing Aldershot, the Maidstones of this world, and I don't know, uh, Hendon or something like that, is worlds apart. And that will bring extra publicity for the club. So Steve McKim deserves uh, everything he gets this season. I know he enjoys his reward, but I'm sure the work's starting now because it'll be a really interesting season. But fair play, Tommy, and I'm delighted for everybody concerned to the club. Yeah, I mean, we've seen teams before go sort of straight through that level. Uh, obviously, Maidstone did. I, I think that might be a step too far for Tumbridge Angels, but they've got some experienced players in there, haven't they? Craig Stone, um, Sonny Miles, etc. So there's, yeah, there's, I think there's going to be some chopping and changing and some work to do. But those players who've got them up have earned the chance, haven't they, to, to, to have a go at it next year? Yeah, I think Sonny Miles was, I don't know if he went, not when they got promoted to the National League, but promoted to conference. I think Maidstone sort of binned him off straight away thinking about that so um, uh, didn't think he could do that level but he's got a chance now of course he was suspended for the final Craig Stone he's got fantastic I think everywhere he's gone he's got promoted through the playoffs so he's got a fantastic record in the playoffs so John Henley I know highly rated goalkeeper you know you look at Maystone bringing a few players in will Maystone who can offer full time football will they be looking at some of the Tommy Angels players that's that's the next problem Steve McKim's going to have the players you've got who work hard other clubs may look at them but enjoy the moment now Tommy Angels because you know, it could be a difficult season next year, but you'll always have this season. And, and as Matt Davison, who listened to the show, he said, though, nothing better than getting promoted via the playoffs rather than winning the league because he said he'll have a day out, a day he'll never forget there. Ten minutes to go to score the winner and hold it on. And the scenes on the pitch, absolutely fantastic. So I was going to say that those scenes, the, the Angels fans and Deshaun said there, they're like an extra man for them. And uh, by all accounts, they turned that into a home game. And, and I said they wouldn't be dancing on the streets of Met Police. Well, they were, but it was the Tunbridge Angels fans who were doing the jigging. Yeah, yeah, great scene. You know, they, well, well, you know, they get the hardcore four or five hundred every week. They do make a bit of noise, and I'm delighted for them. It'd be the ups and downs. All I want for them now, I know, because they've never got the FA Cup first round for X amount of years. They, they, that's what I think they would like. There, a nice bit of a cup run, get to the first round of the FA Cup, and go from there. Of course, they start a different a, li- a level on, which is always handy as well in that competition. But I think maybe that's the main aim they want to look for now. Let's go deep in the FA Cup next season and solid mid-place in the table. We'll move on then to a team who had playoff disappointment on uh, Sunday as Welling United failed to win their playoff final against Matt's favourite team, uh, Woking, who will be no doubt ready to uh, lock horns again with with Matt next season after their 1-0 win at Kingfield. And, And it's so disappointing for Welling because they've had a great season, haven't they? And, and you know, they, they were they were never favourites going into the game on Sunday, but it was one bit of quality that undid them, wasn't it? Yeah, I, you know, I say this grudgingly. Congratulations to Woking because, you know, they've bounced back. Difficult lead to bounce back. Them and Torquay, both relegated last season, have bounced back. Yeah, Welling had the chances. It was always going to be difficult. You know, Woking, 
four and a half thousand there. The, the fans will be, you know, on top of you. They had the chances. Should have had a penalty. I know Steve King mentioned it. I've seen it back. It looked a penalty to me. So a good season for the Wings again, particularly after last season when they missed out on the playoffs. He's done a good job. Always sort of financial problems with that football club as well. You know, halfway through they lost a few players for, for budgetary reasons. So I think the next thing is to if he can keep those players, Steve King. We know, as I mentioned before, it's going to be a tough division, but he knows that league like the back of his hand. So, yeah, gradually um, Woking got promoted. I look forward to going there again. But I feel sorry for Welling United, but let's hope they can keep the quarter squad and Steve King and uh, go from there because uh, I think they deserved it. You know, keep it always kept on the tails of Woking and talking. We just had another little blip in the middle of the season, went out, but disappointing. I feel for Steve King. I think it's four or five even playoffs. He's got to this Conference South playoffs and he hasn't won it, but must be heartbreaking for him. It's interesting because normally you'd look at a team who's lost, just lost in the playoffs and think well, they're going to be one of the favourites to go up next season. But do you know what? That's going to be a tough old league next year, isn't it? Oh, I wouldn't know where to go, really. You don't know if Aldershot, I don't know if they could be in one or even be in there. But Maidstone, you know, started signing a couple of players who've played at level below and in Conference South. Dartford, will they be up there? Welling will be up there. Other sides spending a little bit of cash. Chelmsford, who've got a worse record than Steve King, I think, in the... In the um, and the playoffs will be, yeah, that is, I think that's the league next season, Conference South. I, I, I would not know which way it's going to go. I think maybe both national leagues, it could be difficult with Salford going as well. Maybe the Chesterfields and Wrexhams will be favourites in the national league, but it could be wide open. Both divisions are going to be really, really exciting next season, which is good to say. And we look forward to seeing that with uh, Workforce Dimensions next year on episode 85, John. Well, indeed. And, and Welling, you know, Steve King came in, you, you've already said there, you know, about the job he's done, but, you know, he came in, started from scratch effectively last season. And, and although obviously they're probably still really disappointed, um, what, 72 hours after the game, they're going to look back on this season and think, do you know what, it, it wasn't all bad, was it? Well, I, I think, would I, you know, it's a good appointment, Steve King, when, when he knew he had the job, because we know what you do. And I expected them to get into the playoffs because he knows his level too well. Just that's that extra little push from that point of view. But I know their play, some of their players he's got in will be attracting interest from sides in the National League as well. So it's, it's if he can hold on to that. And there always is with Welling. Unfortunately, you know, they not haven't got a rich owner behind the club. I know Mark Goldberg's in there, but he always works to works the budgets, etc. like that, after being burned before. But yeah, you know, they'll, they'll be up there. It was a difficult place to go, Parkview Road. So, um, again, key is, you know, you normally have a bit of a playoff hangover, don't you? Just make sure that they're not and get the ground running because you need a good start in that division if one of, some of the big boys saying can really put you on the front foot. Yeah, and obviously the, the other clubs are starting to do some bits and pieces and business as well. So um, we'll discuss some of that later on. Um, but before that, there was a, some surprising news, I thought, on Monday, Matt, when uh, Margate announced their new manager. And it, and it certainly wasn't a name we were expecting because the new manager of Margate is, well, it's the old manager of Margate, Jay Saunders, uh, who had left the club um, last month, or it was announced last month he was leaving the club, is now back uh, as the club's manager for the 2019-20 season. Uh, fantastic news for Margate, fantastic news for Jay Saunders, um, apart from when his phone rang yesterday and he was talking to Mr Matt Gerrard. So here is the Margate manager, Jay Saunders. Jay, we saw at the end of last season that you'd left the club, but now you're back there. How did this all come about? Um, I, I kept, in club, uh, kept in club, kept in contact with the club um, at the end of the season and, and, and spoke to them, obviously with regards to players and everything. So... It was never, we never fell out or anything. It was just obviously we couldn't come to an agreement on, on a few things, both footballing wise and, 
and on sort of a deal for both parties. So, uh, but we kept in contact. Uh, club contacted me last week and just said, would I would I have another chat with them? And um, and it went from there. Really it escalated quite quick and was sorted yesterday. So um, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a bit of a sort of full circle, but it's something that I haven't completely wrote off. So it's, it's good that it, it, we got it done in the end. Did you um, always think something could come back? You wanted, to, you didn't want to leave back at the end of the season, and so it was a, it was a nice call to receive, I presume. Yeah, I, um, I, I enjoyed my time there. I've always enjoyed my time at Margate, and it was one of those that um, I just wanted to make sure that everyone was happy, both parties. And at the time, we couldn't couldn't quite get there. So when they gave me a call and said, "Look, let's have another chat," it was something that, that didn't take long, and it was it was good to get the call off of uh, Chris Chambers down there, one of the directors, and. And thankfully, we um, we've come to an agreement, and it means we can start again. I, I mean, I did. I started playing in pre-season friendlies and things. So as far as I'm concerned, I was kind of going to be there. It's only sort. So when it fell through, it was a bit of a, a shock, I think, for both parties. So um, to get it to get it agreed is good, and it means we can we can all move forward and try and plan for next season. Did you have any talks with any other clubs over the after the season finished? I did, yeah, yeah, a couple of clubs from um, from higher higher levels, but. Nothing again was was quite right, um, so it was a case of I was still available and, and Margate was still looking, and that was we got there. Yeah, got there in the end. Brought you back backroom staff. Mark Sandman was with you last time. Will he be coming back with you, or are you looking to bring your your own people in now? I'm not 100 percent sure at the moment. Obviously, it all happened quite quickly, so um, I, they asked me to go down to the ground last night and get everything agreed. So I've been given my budgets and, and things for staff and players and. So it's something that, as uh, sort of today, I've been sitting down and going through things. I've got to contact all the players. Obviously, none of them had spoken to anyone at the club because they wasn't sure what's happening. So I need to speak to all the players. So um, it's something we're in the process of. I need to need to talk to everyone. So um, yeah, by by hopefully the weekend, uh, I should have staff in place and, and players. Do you have any players contracted for next season, or is it a complete blank canvas for you? But a lot of those players you've worked with before at Maidstone as well, so you think you're trying to keep the core of the squad? Yeah, there's, um, there's Ben Swift's under contract. Um, other than that, that was pretty much it. Um, there, there has been a, a sort of cut in the budget, I think, as a club, and it was one of the things I spoke about in the summer when I was saying that... Um, when we couldn't agree things was, was that I felt we needed stability it needed it's had such a change around the managers and players in the last sort of five, six years and I think it's become a bit of a baby bone for people that players knew they could go down there and earn a, earn a good wage and I kind of want to make it I think with the budget uh, being reduced slightly I think it means we've got to be more, more selective with the players we've got so there's certain players I'd like to keep whether we can do that within the budget is, is another matter um, so it's something as I say and, and go from there but the, the squad wasn't bad last year it needed more depth to it it needed a bit more sort of length and, and freshness and that's what we're looking at doing it, it, Would you say it's a competitive budget, budget to get out of the uh, uh, Devon Premier uh, the Bostick Premier League? Um, I don't think it's a budget that I, I wouldn't expect to be winning the league on the budget if, if you're going to look at what some of the clubs are rumoured to be spending um, I think it's a budget that, that I, I, I would like to try and aim for playoffs I think that's realistic um, in, in my eyes, but it will be tough. It will be tough, and until we start building the squad, I'm not sure. But we're certainly not in a position where we're going to go out and be able to sign anyone like maybe Margate have in recent seasons. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge for you, this, but you know that you know the levels, which is half the battle. I think at, at this level of football, yeah. isn't it? 
Yeah, he's a challenge, but I think it's important that the club went down that route. I don't think it's right to keep paying out silly money. Um, and I think that was what the owners wanted to look at. And, and obviously, if, if we can build, I want the support to have a... To, to feel something for the players. I think in recent years, we've had such a turnover of players. There's only one or two that have been there for the last few years. So I think it's important that you get that rapport going for the supporters. And to do that, you've got to have players that, that want to be there, are going to be there for a few years and, and, and build from there. A shock appointment, that one, Matt, I'd, I'd say. I, I was not expecting that news on, on Monday. No, it was, it, it was an article in the non-league paper that, with him saying that, you know, they'd worked together, um, couldn't agree on anything, and he was looking for another role. He, he said in there that he'd had a couple of interviews. We've heard that he'd had a couple of interviews at other clubs maybe didn't work, go back, and Margate had struggled. You know, a couple of names we'd heard, Jamie Stewart from Margate, and also I heard, did hear Andy Drury could be going in looking at a player-manager role for that position as well. So, um, But they've gone to Jay Saunders, as you heard in that interview. You know, they're not going to have the biggest budget in the world, but you read a lot of the things about ex-players say about Jay Saunders, that you know he can mould a team and mould players together. Interesting to see how they get on. Again, we've said to Margate before, they need to sort out the, the pitch issues or the ground issues from that point of view. Uh, Budget-wise, he's still he's not, he's not the top of the league budget, but if you get an extra 10% out of Jay Saunders and the players he gets in, they may have a chance for the playoffs. So, from that point of view, how many teams going out for the Ryman Devon Bostick Premier next season? Do we know? I don't. Too early. Oh, God. I think it's going to be uh, two, actually. I think it's just going to be two teams down from each of the, uh, the leagues at that level, uh, but two teams will be going up, so for definite. So, so standard, they're... standard season. So, um, yeah, yeah I think... They're extending the National League South to have 24 teams, so that will, um, you know, so so th- there's only two relegation places from there, and then four teams are going to go up. Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does there. I mentioned about his backroom staff, who he's going to bring in. He knows, the, you know, the friendly Collins, the James Rogers, ex-players like that, and Alex Fisher, they've said they're leaving the club. Will they be around for Chase Saunders? I would have thought that Jason can attract players who you've worked with before and younger players who've heard of his reputation. So I don't think it would be difficult for Margate bringing players in to just mould in that team. Will they have a mixture of experience and youth? They probably need a bit of experience. But Jay will go in there and see what he can do. Uh, and interesting times, but from Margate's point of view, great to get Jay Saunders down. Somehow they need to knock something up in the ground just to say, right, that's working on it as well, so they're moving off the field. But it's a good appointment. For your opinion, John, good appointment. Do you expect them riding high at the top end of the table next year? I certainly do, actually, yeah, because, you know, we were just talking about it a minute ago. We were said about teams going straight through National League South, but that's what Maidstone did under Jay Saunders. And I think that season, were they in the in the best two teams in that league? No, they weren't. And we've, we've heard from Oliver Ash earlier in the season on the podcast, they probably went up too soon. So the job that Jay Saunders did at, May, at Maidstone, where he got them up as a, in such a quick space of time, I think he does bring out that extra in the players. And, and you know, when you see players like Joe Piggott has been quoted uh, on Kent Online today saying that Jay Saunders should still be the, the Maidstone manager, he's the man for that job. And that people should be standing up and, and t- paying attention to that. And I think, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You say people want to come and play for him. I think they will. I think he's he's a big draw. And he said himself there, stability is key. And now they've finally got some stability in the manager's role, provided that nothing untoward happens to, to make his job all the more difficult. Then this is a chance for for, made, uh, for Margate to really build under Jay Saunders. And, and their supporters are, are all delighted to have him b- uh, back and confirmed as the new manager. So they're all going to be behind him. He's, he's almost got a bit of a, a free hit at the start of the season. Um, and I think that they'll reap the benefit of that and, and they'll push on. 
Yeah, uh, free hits probably what are they, the supporters are there. If they can galvanise that support, they'll be really probably the best supported team in that division. If they can start well, get some wins on the board, six, seven hundred, eight hundred people will be going through the gates. So the, the Jay Saunders effects there. Good appointment. Interested to see who he brings in now, John. And I have to say, looking at all the seasons, you know, the season's just finished, but I'm really looking forward to next season already. I have to say, it's going to be exciting. You now he's checking every day who's bringing the business in, who's buying, who's selling. Yeah, exciting times in Ken Non League uh, podcast as well. It really is, and and you know we're looking through some of the things that are, that are already happening. Um, before we actually move on to to all of that, did you see about John Steele's award last night, Matt? He got the league manager something was it? The league manager like, association. He got a special award for his uh, more than forty years in management. Um, so obviously now director of football um, at Maidstone United, and, and you know. He, he wasn't able to exact a, a massive turnaround and keep Maidstone United up last season, but he, you can tell he's a proper football man and, and he's, he's going to be a success, I, I think, in the end at Maidstone. Yeah, you can see how respected he is within the um, football manager world sort of thing. And I think that could work in Maidstone favour, maybe when he needs favours from players to bring loan players in who want to come down and get an experience at that level. You know, for me, Maidstone would probably be the favourites to, to get out of that division because A, the crowd they'll get behind it. You know, they've done this before. The, the, the crowd, if they can win four matches at home, I expect John Steele to have a team that will be quick, agile, will score goals. And I think they probably have, if they can have enough, they should have enough to get out of this division uh, from that point of view. They're probably delighted that Woking got promoted as well. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, putting me flag in the flag on the mast, flag on the ground, I'd say Maystone favourites to Favourites to get promoted from that division. Yeah, a couple of early signings for Maidstone United as well. They've signed defender uh, Lewis Knight from St. Al- who was at St. Albans City, and striker Ibrahim Alutadi has joined on a two-year deal from Leatherhead. Uh, Thirteen goals for Leatherhead last season, so that they're starting to do their business, and it's already looking like they're rather than spending the big money and bringing players in from from higher levels. There, John Still and, and Hakane Retin are, are looking around the lower levels to see what they can pick up. Well, he, he, that's his that's his career before. Pick up a rough diamond and sell it on for mega money. You look at Dwight Gale; he's the one. Uh, Chris Moore and various other players. So that's what Maystone uh, will be looking at. And if he can coach that into them, they'll go far. You know, they've had a terrible season. Wipe the slate, definitely wipe clean. The number of players they've got is going to be very small from what was there last season. Hit the ground running. That, again, I think the Conference South, all the sides, the bigger sides in that. You hit the ground running, you could be on for for an excellent season. It seems like you know. You look at Woking as well. You know, I have to say it again. Well done, Woking. You know the job. He, the manager, came in, knew that level. You know, brought in a lot of players, switched the players around, and maybe that's what it is. Until he got his his right um, factor to go in. My mate Diaro, I've got his shirt back in my house after I sponsored him this season. He's got Woking promoted. So um, from that point of view, so yeah, yeah. Really exciting times ahead. So, Maystone, you've got to stick with stick with John Steele. He will get you aside going. Start brightly, you can get promoted. Yeah, um, just reading around some, some other bits and pieces. Well, another team who are doing, uh, who've done some very good early business, Matt, is uh, Bromley, who've brought in Adrian Clifton from, from Maidenhead and Michael Cheek. Now, I think that is a pair of belting signings, don't you? Adrian Clifton, for me, the best target man in the National League. Absolutely bullied over when we played him. Not the biggest man, but he's strong, physical. And everywhere, um, I remember speaking to Nicky Southwell after the game when basically Clifton bullied over from that. And he said, oh yeah, he was on 
every team's um, wish list. When he was at Maidstone, he was on the wish list. And I know Dover were after him as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Michael Cheek, um, another scores goals. I think 16 in 25 for him. So, you know, with Dale McMahon, he didn't get a kick. But he's another good player. His movement's good. He's good in the air. Can finish. If they get JJ Hooper, I don't know if, if JJ Hooper scored a lot of goals. He was released by Grimsby. If they get him as well, maybe other clubs maybe sniffing around him. You think mm, maybe Bromley scoring goals will not be an issue there. You've got the likes of Mecky, you've got the likes of Coulson delivering stuff. It's meat and drink. Absolute meat and drink for the likes of Clifford and Cheek. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, Neil Smith, you know, it's only 15th of May or whatever it is, slap on the back already for some brilliant, brilliant transfers. Yeah, I mean, obviously he made some tough decisions, didn't he, with his retained list, letting a couple of players go. David Gregory um, was among them and, and Richard Brindley as well, the right back. Um, so he, he, he's, he's obviously made some... He obviously had in his head what he was looking to do this summer and he's made a very good start. I think there'll be more news coming. Um, obviously soon he's going to need a goalkeeper and, and other places as well. But it, it is important that you can do that business earlier. And I certainly... Both of those signings have made me stop and go, wow, that's good work. Yeah, I was interested about Gregory. You know, I quite like Gregory. He's, he's a decent goalkeeper at this level. I don't know if he said to Bromley, I'm not signing, or Bromley said the other way, but I expect him to get a, a, a decent club. Maybe he's moving up the pyramid rather than that. But interesting to see what sort of keeper they bring in. I know Tom King's been released from Mill. He's been linked. Mitch Walker, of course, from my boys as well. So, yeah, but Neil, Neil Smith, he's a go-getter manager. He would be making sure everything's crossed there. He'll be very organised about playing things in, but I have to say, Adrian Clifton is an absolute beast. Brilliant signing, and I'd have, I'd have walked him to Dover because I think he's a fantastic player. Really good signing there. Then, yeah, early doors for Bromley. Really exciting times for him. Of course, Cheek was signed on a free from Ebbsfleet United, and all of the players under contract at Ebbsfleet United. Uh, there were six of them left now. Um, they've clubs in League 1, League 2 and the National League have been told that the six players, Ebu Adams, Nathan Ashmore, Jack King, Sean Shields, Corey Whiteley and Laurie Wilson are all available on free transfers until the end of the month. So I would imagine, Matt, looking at it, that those six are probably going to have new clubs by the end of the month, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, I think really between the lines, they're probably on decent wages. Epsi cannot afford to play their wages and say, if you can take your hands off them from that point of view. Again, it'd be interesting to see what, um, how they go, what sort of clubs, you know, Whiteley will, will be interesting clubs. There's no doubt about that, probably from higher up than the National League. So, yeah, you know, you look at Bromley signings, you pick them up. I've got no idea the first league game on the 3rd of August, what Epsley players, who will be pulling on the red shirt of Epsley. Will it be a mixture of non-league journeymen and players who've been released from academies, etc. like that? They've got a massive summer. Um, I think one of the first things they can do is make sure that they can stay in this division. But And Gary Hill, you know, he hasn't sort of said, yeah, I'm staying, I'm staying. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer for, for a lot of our clubs, but maybe an uncomfortable one for Epstein. I think all those players will, will be very much in demand. The likes of Laurie Wilson with all of his experience and, you know, it's just it, it, what these players want to do with themselves, you know, and, and I think any club in the National League should be looking at them. And, and to be honest, a lot of clubs in League Two should be looking at that uh, sextet of players. Uh, I don't think the word sextet will get in the old podcast today, but well done, John. Uh, I think... Thing is, you might not get as much money as you're getting at Epsley. So, but so maybe they will be looking for a longer contract to sort of top up their money that they knew they were going to get this year. Because you know we know that Epsley paid good money, and they may not get that out of the clubs. But interesting times. Where, you know, everybody says it's um, 
a great job being a footballer, but sometimes a stressful time at this time of year must be stressful for those sort of players. So, you know, are we going to get another club? Will the club let us go? Will we get paid? So you've got to feel for them a little bit. But yeah, yeah, I feel for Epsley and their supporters because this is this has not been well done by either side of this sort of thing. And um, I just hope that they're still in the, when we record episode eighty-five, the preview of the season at the end of July, that we, you know, we let, that they're in a better place. Yeah, all quiet at Dover so far, though, Matt. So uh, not a lot to report. Uh, no, uh, probably Joe Taylor signed a contract. So, um, well, we're used to that at Dover, you see, because most of the signings didn't come from July. So uh, we'll give Andy Hessenthaler the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I'm sure he's been talking to players. You know, a few, a few of the Eastley players, Josh Hare, Paul McCallum, have been mentioned from that because of various reasons. And I'm sure Andy Hessenthaler may look to. Easily, some of the players he brought in there who may be leaving. But yeah, I'm sure Andy Hassel has got it under control. So, and I still, you know, we don't mention them much on here. Gillingham haven't released their retained list yet, I don't think, um, after nearly three weeks since the end of the season. So, interested to see what, what we're going to hear from them. See what some of the players may be available for our sides as well. So, yeah, a long way to go yet. We've still just, um, you know, the season hasn't really finished yet. But I'm sure something will happen soon at Gravel anyway. Now, I wonder if, um, some, well, some I've certainly seen some Gillingham fans suggesting that Ashmore might be a nice move for them should... Uh... Should it come to uh, an end with Thomas Holly for 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 Gillingham? And I think yeah. Ashmore is, is one player, isn't he, who could certainly step up. Yeah, he's a strong, very physical goalkeeper. Um, see Jay Lynch, the file keeper, who's on a par with him, has been linked with league clubs. So, yeah, I think Ashmore uh, clubs will be sniffing around. Oh, yeah, as you mentioned, though, they, 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 those six players, their agents will be on the case, and I'm sure they'll get something. Um, something lined up for them and it'll be interesting to see where they go so uh, keep an eye on the Kent Non-League podcast uh, Twitter page as well if we hear anything we'll, uh, we'll post it on there Yeah, interesting news from High Town this week who have um, announced that Zach Anser has, has left the club but apparently the reason is and he's one of four players who've left is because they've been told they're not allowed to play for their Sunday League team anymore uh, Zach Anser George Camarasi, the goalkeeper Salvan Kitsiu and Ryan Palmer all play for a team called SE Dons uh, have a large YouTube following um, on on a Sunday. They've won two cup finals this season. But Sam Denley said, we've taken the stance. We don't want any Sunday football. And these four players have all decided that they would rather stick with their Sunday team and, and not play for High Town. And that's going to be... I, I can see Sam Denley's thinking there, and that's his stance and, and fair play to him for making it. But he's going to have a hard job replacing those four players, isn't he? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Zach Hansel's played decent level. He's played football league football. He's gone to High and playing on a Sunday, I thought he would look to maybe go higher up the pyramid, maybe get a full-time job, full-time club, maybe in the National League or from there, because he scores goals. But interesting, again, for playing for a side that's got a large YouTube following, that's probably all you need to know, really, on that question. Yeah, but I suppose sometimes, you know, sometimes you just like doing things, like the Ken Nonu podcast, mate. We don't get, get anything out of it, we just enjoy doing it, yeah? Yeah, you know, yeah, you, know, you do enjoy playing football, but it must be hard on you... I presume they're not paid by there, and if they did break their leg playing for SE Dons, whatever they're called, would High continue to play them? Probably yes. So I, I, I can see where the um, this is not football. You know, in the eighties when this happened quite a bit, I think this football's moved on, and I think I admire High starts because there might have been times when those players have got injured in this game and they couldn't play for them, and they would have been playing in their wages. Yeah, and so managerial news now into the uh, into the Southern Counties East League, uh, where the new Canterbury City manager has been named, and it is Clive Cook, which is a nice little segue from Hyde Town. Uh, the former Hyde Town boss obviously left uh, Hyde in January 2018, and now he is the man to replace Ben Smith at, at Canterbury. And I think um, 
whatever we think of the decision that, that's ended with Ben Smith leaving Canterbury City, Craft Cook is a good appointment for a team at that level. Yeah, I thought maybe with my Ray Turner may have gone in there for Canterbury because he was at Faversham for a while. But they've gone, yeah, Clive Cook knows his level, managed at this level numerous times, um, has brought players into the league, the likes of um, Alfie May, hasn't he? I think he's, he, he spotted him. So, yeah, Canterbury go from there. I think Canterbury need to work on their support base to get the club going in one direction again. But Clive will, will try and do that. And good luck to him for, from that point of view. I'm interested to see where Ben Smith ends up. Well, funnily enough, there's another job just come up in the scaffold today, Matt, which is, uh, this could be breaking news for you. Um, but it has been announced today that uh, Tunbridge Wells are now looking for a new manager after Jason Bourne uh, and his assistant Andy Boyle both stepped down um, after a meeting that was held on Monday. And a, a response, um, this is from the club themselves, a response um, from Jason and Andy. Thank you for the opportunity that was given to us to manage our hometown team. Not many people get the chance to play for and manage their club and the friends we've made along the way are friends for life. We fully appreciate that results were not as we would have liked, but this was not down to a lack of commitment or hard work. We respect the club's decision to take a new direction and wish them all the best moving forward. A big thank you to the, all the members of the coaching staff and volunteers that have given up their time with maximum effort for us along the way. Uh, they're now inviting CVs. Uh, Matt, I don't know if you if your netball success will get you an interview there, um, but Tunbridge Wells is, is, is a sleeping giant at that level, isn't it? Well, six years since I at Wembley, yeah. Um, I've really kicked on from that point of view. Good crowds, disappointing season this way. I feel for Jason Ball from that point of view. They had a little bit of a, uh, a good run, then it sort of back end of the season came a little bit as well. So, yeah, maybe that's, you know, we know that uh, names will be linked um, from that point of view. But it's a decent job. So, um, yeah, yeah, that sort of thing, you get play, to players and managers moving from club to club. So, we'll keep an eye on that, who, who gets that job. But, um yeah, I feel sorry for them there, but they maybe it's been a disappointing season for them, hasn't it? Well, exactly. Um, I suppose the, the only other fun thing really to look at before we get into too much is um, apparently the constitutions for next year will be confirmed on the nineteenth. So we should be finding out uh, if Irvin Belvedere have been promoted from the into the Scaffold Premier. What's happening with the Thamesmead situation and who's going to be where should be confirmed um, early next week. So that that that'll be an interesting one, won't it? Have they drawn it from a lot, or have they got any idea? <laughs> Probably just coming out of a hat, I'd imagine. Yeah, there's, I think if you follow it, various sites, there's people who are really good at doing this. So the FA probably just take their on board there. But yeah, this is done early on, early doors. It's going to be an AGM Cup for some of these teams. But I don't know what happens if the likes of um, Gateshead or Bolton, even Berry, have got problems as well, have to you know go under. Does that? There's the sort of the the pyramid effect that could affect everybody across the line. So. Um, well, it's interesting to see, but yeah, football, some of football clubs, not been a great thing, but hopefully the FA can get this right and we'll know what the constitution of some of our leagues, particularly in the South East as well. Exactly. So we're just about to wrap up for not just this week's show, but for the entire season. Um, it's been an interesting season. We've not had as much um, success possibly as we, as we did last year. Cray Wanderers obviously uh, winning the league and congratulations as well to um, Cray Valley and, and Wellingtown for winning the, the, the Scaffold Leagues as well. But um, and obviously, Tunbridge. Good luck to Cray on Sunday as well, we should say. Yes, good luck to Cray Valley on Sunday as well, uh, flying the scaffold flag um, for one last time before they move up to the uh, to the Bossett League. And obviously, we've had Tunbridge Angels success, but it kind of feels to me like it hasn't quite been a successful season last year, but it's certainly been a, an entertaining season, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's probably the season that um, we're known for off the field developments. You know, the Jay Saunders leaving, Tony Berman leaving, Chris Kinnear leaving, maybe off the field rather than on the field um, successful. Tumbridge Angels, you know, Angels hadn't got promoted this week, 
we probably thought it was a really poor season. Um, but if there's one thing I will say, you know, people say, oh, why do you watch non-league football? But there's never a dull moment in Ken non-league football. That's why we do this podcast. There's, you know, the, the, the 450 people who listen to this podcast, we thank you very much. But there's a great deal to talk about because there's always something happening and there'll always be something happening over the summer which we'll get together for when we do our season preview as well. But yeah, never a dull moment um, for Ken non-league teams and um, let's hope next season is a bit more stable off the pitch and successful on it I think that's you've summed it up there because the season sort of started with um, with the Jay Saunders uh, saga which it certainly was and it's ended with the Ben Smith one and, and it has been a season where off the field stuff has has been um, very prevalent in Kenton League and it's given us plenty to talk about and um, I, I suppose as we get towards the end of the uh, End of the show, we should say thank you to every single person who's, who's not only listened, we appreciate every single listener so much, but all those people who've given up their time to talk to us when, you know, when their phone rings and it's a number they don't recognise that ends in 078 and they always answer and, and, and they always give us a chat. Um, and we do really, really appreciate it because this show would be absolutely nothing uh, without those people who, who've given up their time to talk to us. It would also, of course, be absolutely nothing without uh, the man on the other end of the phone here who always answers the phone when it ends in 078 um, and always has, has a good chat and always gives up his, uh, his Wednesday lunchtime. So, Matt, um, what's been your highlight of this season? Um, of course, they were staying up, but I didn't think they would be. Uh, um, it hasn't been that just enjoying the show I absolutely love doing this show so that's not always an enjoyment on a Wednesday it's never a chore on a Wednesday when I, when I see your number flash up we have a, a bit of a chat I say on the pod you know we're quite serious but we have a bit of a laugh and I think that's half about it so um, yeah it's not going to go down as a classic season but an enjoyable one um, yeah don't staying up which is the most important thing in my eyes so uh, let's hope we can have more success next year and then thanks to you John for editing all this and maybe some of the things that I can't. Well, I do say that I'm not allowed to say they go out. So I appreciate your editing skills. Well, yeah, and of course it was interesting to see the uh, Funhouse Twins on uh, on a radio show uh, last week. Uh, enough of that chat, anyway. But yeah, that is pretty yeah, much. Don't, it. Send, don't send the text that I said about that. No, don't ever release that text. I will never ever release that. Don't worry. We'll also never ever talk about Snow White, shall we? Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, that is pretty much it for this week's uh, Kent League podcast this year's Kent League podcast do keep in touch with us on social media over the summer break um, where we, I will tweet anything that I, I, I see that's of, of interest uh, at Kent NL podcast um, we will be doing our radio show at various points throughout the summer um, and you can always keep up with what we're doing on that I'm at John Phipps 81 on Twitter and Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard and between us we will always put a tweet out to show you to tell you what we're doing if there's anything relevant Kent on League I will do it from the podcast account as well um yeah pretty uh pretty reflective now the end of the season has been uh well, for me, it's been a, a mad year off, off the pitch, as they say. Um, but uh, I've really enjoyed doing the podcast as well. I think we'll have another stab at it next year, shall we, Matt? Well, we're going to get to 100 now, haven't we? We've got 84, 84. We've got to get to 100. So probably four months, probably about... Could be the Christmas special. Could be the 100th show. We'll have to get a special guest or something on that. I don't know. We can get for that. Well, I've, I've, maybe we should get... It would be nice if we got some sort of recognition from the Queen, yeah? Uh, that, that would be really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She probably is a loyal listener to the Kent on Lee podcast. So uh, she's a big uh, uh, Cray Valley fan, I'm hearing. Well, then, of course, the Duke of Kent should be listening every week. It should be his thing. So if you do happen to know royalty, we are 16 episodes away from the 100. So we'd love to have uh, some sort of special acknowledgement from the Queen when we reach the 100 milestone. Um, Maybe on that one, John, we should have a live show. We could invite people somewhere and we can record it live in front of people. But maybe that... Some of the things we've said, maybe it's probably not a good idea, is it? 
No, but but that's that could be quite interesting actually. That that's not a bad idea. How many people would turn up to see us recording a show somewhere? Uh, well, if you're interested, let us know. We've got about <laughs> probably got about seven months to think about that. But uh, yeah, that is it for this week's Nick Kent Only podcast. As we've already said, thank you so much to every single person who's been a guest on the show over the past 42 episodes, and thank you so much to every single person who has listened to the show, downloaded it, what, interacted with us on social media. We really could not do this without you. Thank you so so much, and uh, we will see you all sometime in August for the next Kent Only podcast. I'm not answering the phone now. I'm not speaking to you. To the end of July, we're back on again. My contract's over. Come back to me with more money. I'm doing the next series. <laughs>